Welcome to our Sunday morning segment of the Grace Chapel podcast. If you would like more information about Grace Chapel, visit their website, gracechapel.org.au. There you can find more materials in growing your identity in Christ. Okay, now I want to talk about miracle number seven. Remember, we uh, eight miracles. And so miracle number seven is the miracle of the raising of Lazarus from the dead, from the grave. In uh, John chapter 11, verses 1 all the way to 46, uh, we see in this, in this particular miracle, every incident in this miracle is interconnected. It manifests the glory of Christ and also the future glory of his people Israel. Now the name Lazarus means God helps. God helps. And so Lazarus is the perfect type both for Israel as a nation and as a people. Now miracle number seven of course is paired with miracle number two which saw the raising of the ruler's son. Remember the ruler's son got healed. Remember, the ruler's son was at the point of death, and so Jesus was shown to be the giver of life. But here, Lazarus is dead. And so the second pairing always shows a progression to the first of the pair. In this account, we see Jesus as the resurrection and the life. And just as the third and sixth miracles are the only ones that mention sin, so this pair of miracles are the only two that mention death. Now the second miracle showed the early part of Christ's ministry when what was left of the kingdom of Israel was at the point of death. Now in this seventh miracle, which occurred when Jesus was finally rejected as king, it happens to be the last recorded by John as taking place before the crucifixion. And it was after this miracle that the Jewish leaders made their final decision to put Jesus to death. In John chapter 11, verses 53 to 54, it says, From that day on, they took counsel for to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no more walked openly among the Jews. And in verses uh, 1 to 6, it, 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 it says, the scene says, Now a certain man was sick. A certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary Martha. Remember it was this Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was sick. Therefore his sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified by it. It goes on and says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, with the scene set, verses 11 to 15 gives the reason. These things said Jesus. Then he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. But for that I might wake him out of sleep. And so his disciples said, Well, Lord, 
if he sleeps, he'll be fine. He'll be okay. <laughs> but Jesus was speaking of his death. But when he said he sleeps, well, they thought Lazarus was sleeping. And then in verse 14, 14 sorry, verse 14, Jesus hits them with reality. Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there to the intent, intent that you might believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And in this account, we see that although Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters, he deliberately waited for two days before he took further action. And even then, he made no particular haste. And so, in this lesson, uh, we see that, that God acts in his time, not ours. You know? He does everything in his time. We can't, we can't go to God and, and command him. We can't go to God and say, we want this done now. God will do it in his time when he's ready. And uh, the family were only thinking of their brother's death. But Jesus was working to a divine plan. In the raising of Lazarus from the dead, Jesus was giving one of the greatest prophetic pictures of what is in store for us personally and nationally. Jesus, the great physician, was about to diagnose Israel's state of sin and degradation. They were separated from God. Their condition was hopeless. Now he pronounces the great physician's prognosis. The sickness is not unto death. Now this present world system increasingly sucks in the people to look for every avenue of enjoyment and success. No more do we see the desire to lift others up. But in this world it's dog ate dog. It's churches that are empty and pubs and clubs that are full of a people seeking to drown their problems in a sea of forgetfulness. An alcoholic stupor. Entertainment. Bright lights. Smoke machines. Loud music. All these things which, which basically turn people away from God and, and look to their surroundings. Like lemmings rushing to their death, this world is rushing headlong into an eternity of separation from God and our political leaders haven't got a clue as how to deal with it. And the priests and the prelates are so screwed up with pomp and ceremony that all they do is give aspirin messages that dull the sentence, senses or dull the ceremony, they give ceremonies uh, that have no meaning in the New Testament. All the ceremonial claptrap that goes on in, in, uh, in these high places is not worth anything. They are victims of a famine of the Word of God. Not only do they not know where they're going, but they haven't got a clue of how to get there. They haven't got a clue as to how to deal with it. But, praise God, he knows exactly what's happening, for he knows the end from the beginning. He has set the program, and I tell you, it's going to come to pass, just as he says it will. He has planned for our future. All we have to do is trust in him. And so the condition of Lazarus was that he was asleep in death. He was totally unaware of what was going on. You know, when you go to bed of a night time, you uh, put your head on the pillow, you drop off to sleep, and uh, all of a sudden it's morning 
and you don't know what's happened in the night time. You don't know what's happened. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 5 says that the dead know not anything. The dead know nothing. And that's a fact. And when we're asleep, what do we know? We go to sleep at night time, six, six, seven, eight hours, whatever passes by, we haven't, we haven't got a memory of it. It's past. And Jesus had left his disciples in, in some doubt as to what the real condition of Lazarus was. He referred to the condition of sleeping, which is what the scriptures actually describe as, as uh, death. The scriptures describe death as being asleep. The disciples thought that Jesus just meant that hey, Lazarus is asleep and he'll wake up refreshed and ready for action. And the fact that Jesus waited for two more days before setting out to Bethany sealed it for them. Lazarus was simply asleep. So Jesus had to tell them pretty bluntly, Lazarus is dead. But there's another side to the story. For Jesus in verse 7 said to the disciples, let us go into Judea again. And in verse 8, the disciples answered and said, Master, the Jews recently sought to stone you. And you want to go there again? You know, we get so much about the Jews being God's chosen people today, but, uh, you know, they sought to stone Jesus back then and they still seek to get rid of Jesus today. Verse 16, Thomas, the, the doubter, he said, Oh, look, let's go with him so that we can die with him. Let's go with Jesus so we can die with him. And, uh, and so they made the decision to go, even at the risk of their own lives. Now, just consider for a moment the missionaries who have gone into some of the most hostile territories in the world to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we've got a good friend up in PNG, Barney uh, uh, Barney uh, Barney uh, He's up in Mount Hagen in PNG. And uh, when I was up there a couple of years ago, Jono with me, he told us how his ancestors used to kill and eat the whites who brought the gospel to them. You know, we, we hear so much against the white people, don't we? There's so much against the white people these days, like the whites are the cause of all the trouble in the world. But the simple fact is, like uh, Barney, Barney up there in, in New Guinea, he says, look, my ancestors used to kill and eat the whites who brought the gospel to them. So the, the preachers who went there, the missionaries who went there to, to teach them of Jesus, uh, very often finished up being their lunch. And the simple fact is, as fast as they killed one and ate him, another one came to replace him. I wonder how many of our how many of our evangelists, how many of our, our big church preachers today are prepared to take on such a perilous ministry? The simple fact is sometimes Jesus does ask us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death for his name's sake. And as long as he's with us as the light and the life, we can count ourselves safe. I know in, in the times that I'm in Kenya, uh, there are times when I've gone into areas that are considered dangerous for a white man to be. But I've never felt, I've never felt in danger. I've, never, felt, I've never, never been in fear for my life. I've been amongst mobs that uh, speak against the whites. You hear them grumbling. Some of the things they say are not very nice, you know. But you'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear the word mzungu, which means white man. 
And so Mzungu, um, and then you hear other stuff which I won't repeat because that's their swear words. But we know, as long as, as long as we're with Jesus, sometimes he asks us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death for his name's sake, and as long as he is with us as the light and life, we can count ourselves safe. Psalm 27 verses 1 to 3 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell, and though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should arise against me, in this I will be confident. And finally, Jesus arrived at Bethany four days after Lazarus had died. In verses 21 and 32, both Mary and Martha showed their confidence in Jesus that had he been there, their brother would not have died. By faith, they knew that Jesus had the power over sickness and death, and they were well aware of the future resurrection of the dead. So when Jesus saw their grief, in verse 35, it says, he wept. And notice how some said in verse 37, couldn't this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused even this man should not have died, you know? Couldn't, couldn't he have fixed it up? And then in verse 38, it says, Jesus groaned. And in verse 39, take away the stone, the stone that seals the grave. Take it away. And Martha, the ever-practical, she said, Lord... <laughs> Hang on, by this time, he stinks. He's been dead for four days. The significance there too, uh, the, 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 the Jewish belief that, that up to the third day the, the spirit is still hanging around the body, by the fourth day it's definitely gone. By day four, you're dead. By day four, you ain't going to rise again. Verse 43, Jesus spoke loudly. He commanded loudly. He didn't need to command loudly. He could have said softly, but he, I believe he spoke loudly because he wanted those around to hear. Lazarus, come forth! And of course we all know the story. Verses 45 to 54. We see the reaction of the Judeans, particularly the leaders, the Jewish leaders. Some were trying to console Martha and Mary. And it was these who believed on Jesus, but others criticised him for not being there sooner. You know? He, he could have come. Then, when he did raise Lazarus back to life, they got angry at him for doing that. And it hasn't changed, has it? Today we have those who will accept Jesus once they have experienced his mighty power. But those who call themselves Judeans, but are not, Jesus speaking of them in Revelation 2.9 says, I know your works, and tribulation and poverty, but you're rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, Yehudim, but are not. They are the synagogue of Satan. And in Revelation 3.9, Behold, I will make of them of the synagogue of Satan which say they are Jews or Judeans and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. The simple fact is that there are many today who even seeing a miracle will still not believe. 
So let's just get back to Martha for a minute. In John 11, 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then in verse 22, But I know, whatsoever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Verse 23, Jesus speaks to her. He says, Your brother shall rise again. Verse 24, Martha says, I know he shall rise in the resurrection. When the resurrection comes, we know he shall rise. And in verse 25, 26, those great words that Jesus spoke, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And the message for today is the same. Whoever lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. The stone was moved. Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven. Father, I know that you hear me. I know that you heard me. Many times, many times in my, my ministry over the last 45 years, many times I've been asked the question, why doesn't God hear my prayers? But the fact is, God hears every prayer. But his word says we have to ask believing. In 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And so here at the command of Jesus, Lazarus, still wrapped in his grave clothes, came out. Jesus told them, take off the grave clothes, and Lazarus walked away. From the point of view of Lazarus, he had simply been asleep. Lazarus, Lazarus didn't come out of grave thinking, I've been dead and resurrected. He just thought he'd been asleep. Death is simply sickness matured. You know, like, uh, like the cheesemaker takes the, takes the cream and puts it away and lets it go off until it, uh, until it sets into cheese and, and becomes matured. Well, death is the same. Death is sickness matured. But death cannot remain in the presence of God's perfect conditions. And as soon as those conditions were enacted, Lazarus could no more remain dead. And so Paul could boldly claim and proclaim in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So prophetically here, the story of Lazarus is a picture of God's chosen people, Israel. And as God's people, the house of Israel nationally has been in a death sleep for centuries. The two choices which God offered were good and life or evil and death. That's the choice. It was the choice back in the Garden of Eden. It's the choice today. Good and life or evil and death. And ever since, through all the years of the Exodus, 
all the years of the wanderings throughout Europe as they move towards their appointed place, Israel nationally has chosen the way of evil and death. Today, as God's servant nation, we are in dire straits and in danger of being exterminated by the sworn enemies of God. Revival is the state of being brought back from the dead and it can never come nationally by a church program but it relies on national recognition of who we are and the return and obedience to the word and the law of God. The resurrection of the Anglo-Saxon Celtic people to their God-ordained place as the head of the nations is the only answer to the problems of the world today. In Romans 11 and verse 15, reading from the, from the Jerusalem Bible, it says, Since their rejection meant the reconciliation of the world, do you know what their admission will mean? Nothing less than a resurrection from the dead. We today are living in the very time of the fulfilment of this prophecy. For Jesus is coming soon to rescue his people and to introduce the thousand year reign of peace on this world. And notice that when Jesus cried out, it says he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16 it says, when the Lord returns, he is going to descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Now, many churches today are teaching the Roman Catholic doctrine of the secret rapture, which can nowhere be supported by scripture. And I cannot for myself understand how people who profess wisdom and understanding of the word of God can possibly keep the shout of the Lord and the loud voice of the archangel and the trumpet blast. How can they keep these things a secret? How do you keep the trumpet blast a secret? How do you keep a shout a secret? The trumpet sounding at Jericho brought the walls down and the shout of the Lord along with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God will usher in the thousand years of peace. Amen. Please tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message from Grace Chapel. Bye for now.